Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey everybody, how you going? If you don't know me, I'm Ken. I'm the... uh the senior pastor of Highlands, they call me. That just means I'm the old pastor. <laughs> so uh, I get the joy of looking after all the things we get to do as Highlands, which is a lot of fun. And it's great to have Murray and Kaz. And what they were doing in here at Highfields is incredible, guys. You, We went out and celebrated this week uh, a year in Highfields um, for Murray and Kaz. I know they've been here a week or two longer. But legends, we appreciate you both doing such a great job, hey? Um, this, this series is really one that's been on my heart. It's a, a series I'm really keen to make sure we get embedded in the life of our church, but not just in the life of our church, get embedded in us. And you know, in Australia, there's 154,300 people suffered from identity theft last year, 2021. Isn't that incredible? 154,000 people. And we think identity theft is a new thing, but it's not. It's been around since the beginning of time. And if you have a look in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, you can see that um, poor old Eve suffered the same thing. Adam and Eve suffered from identity theft. And it says this in 3.1, The serpent was, um, was clever, more clever than any other wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree of the garden? And what he was about doing is about stealing Eve's identity. He was actually trying to trick her and steal her identity and Adam's identity of who they were. And we know if you know the story, you can read it through Genesis. God created them and he was walking in the garden with them all the time. Incredible relationship with God. And then all of a sudden, this happened. And the next verse, God's walking in the garden and he goes, Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? They lost who they were. And they cried out to God and said, God, we're naked. We're shamed. Because they were tricked into losing the identity that God has for them. And I find that thing happens in our world today. I think we see this happen more often than not. And it's not just the identity of money and, and you know, where we've lost our wallet or we've, someone's taken our identity and our physical identity, but we've lost our identity in who we actually are. And it's difficult for us as Christians because we didn't, we didn't grow up Jewish. So if you were born a Jew, and, and a lot of the scriptures, the Old Testament particularly is written for the Jews. The majority of the New Testament is, is written for the Jews. Um, but they had an understanding of who they were. They were brought up Jewish. So they actually went through the Bar Mitzvah and went through learning the first five books of the Bible. And they, they went all through all these things. They have an understanding. And still today, they have an understanding that they're God's chosen people. They might not follow God because they haven't had an encounter with God, but they actually have a foundation. In Australian history right now, and you may have heard the census details that um, we are seeing a decline of religion in Australia. I actually think that's a healthy thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, A lot of Christians are upset about that. But the reality is what we're seeing is people actually identifying that they're actually not a Christian. And that's healthy. Because if you think you're a Christian, 
And someone says, are you a Christian? You go, yeah. Or you go to hospital and you write C of E. That's what I used to write. Um, when people there, I, I write something different now. Uh, but it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because people identified as a Christian, but they weren't a Christian. So it's actually probably a healthy situation that's happening is that we're seeing this decline in, in religion. One of the things I noticed with the, the comical, I mean the chronicle, <laughs> as they wandered off and they asked the Catholics and they asked the Church of England and they asked the Muslims and they even went and asked the Humanist Society but they didn't respond. But they didn't ask us. I thought, isn't that interesting? We're one of the largest churches in Toowoomba, if not the largest church in Toowoomba. And didn't want to talk to us because it wasn't a good story. The fact that over 300 people this year have given their life to Christ. In the life of Highlands, you know, we're seeing more and more people give their life to Christ every week. The church is growing. There's over 3,000 people attached to Highlands, which is exciting. Uh, and I want to see that continue to grow. But more importantly than that, I want to see people understand who they are in Christ and whose they are. So important. Because I think the church over the years, now I grew up in church, I grew up in the, the Anglican church, and so I've always been in church. And for that, I'm, I'm blessed because I went to Sunday school and I learned all the stories. I, you know, I learned about Noah and I learned about the whale and I learned all these stories. It was built in me from my beginning of my life. So I have this foundation built. But a lot of people today haven't got that foundation built and therefore they don't know who they are because they're starting from a long way back, so to speak. And we're wrestling with all these things that are going on. And what I find is that there's a desire for knowledge rather than a desire for relationship. Yeah. And that's dangerous. You see what happened to Adam and Eve is they chose to eat from the knowledge of good and evil. They could have eaten from any tree except that one. They could have gone to the tree of life and eaten from the tree of life. And the scripture says, and live forever. But they chose knowledge over relationship. And how often do we do that? How often do we thirst after knowledge, especially in the world we live in, with Dr. Google? We can go and find out about anything. It might not be true, but we can find out about it. Because we have this thirst for knowledge, yet we have a God in heaven that desires relationship. He created Adam and Eve for one purpose, relationship. That he could walk in the garden. He created you and I for relationship. But to have that relationship, we have to know whose we are and who we are. That you have given your life to Christ in this place, you're God's. If you haven't given your life to Christ in this place, you're still God's and he's wooing you. Because he wants this relationship with you. The desire for knowledge rather than transformation is what I see happening. And I think in the church we've done a, a really good job at pe teaching people knowledge. And um, we have this ability to teach knowledge. We you know you come and you do a new Christians course and maybe we don't actually do a new Christians course. Now we do it through small group and, and through some different ways, through coaching and walking alongside people in discipleship. But in, the, in a new Christian church, uh, new Christian course, we used to teach people how to read the Bible, start at John, 
don't know why we started at John because I would prefer that we started at Mark because it's more about us but that's the way we were taught and then we would teach them to go to church on Sunday and if you grew up in the 80s go to church twice on Sunday <laughs> if you um would teach you that you had to tithe and we'd teach you all about that and and we'd try and teach you to pray but most people didn't know how to pray so they struggled with that because that's relationship but one of the things I found is we never taught for all the new Christian courses that I've seen our identity in Christ yet when I read scripture, particularly scriptures that are written to the Gentile church, and we are the Gentile church, we are the Corinthian church. If you want to read a, a book all about us, read the book of Corinthians, and you read about us. And it's surprisingly how true it is to today's society when you read about it. And he, what Paul teaches, but he starts to teach about identity, who we are, in Christ. Biblical Christianity is transformative. It should change us. That you are a new creation. And just think about that for a minute. When you give your life to Christ, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. But don't we struggle with it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Think about that for a minute. The old is gone. What's in your old that's holding you back? Because yeah, it's gone. The old is gone and the new. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says this way, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires and made you in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I want you to catch something there. It says to put off your old self. There's something we've actually got to do. It's not something that just happened. Yes, we're created. We're, we're born again. We're created new. All things have passed away. But one of the things I do have found in my life that I pick up my old self a lot. I actually have to take it off. I actually have to do something physical with my old self and remove it and take it away and throw it away so I can't put it back on and I need to pick up the new thing with my shoulders I can't put jumpers on very well or jackets so I, I have to put the new thing on however and it's an action that we do we take off the old and I think sometimes it's a daily action we have to do because I know about you I get some stinking thinking I do it's not good, but I do. And what I've got to do is catch it, stop it, take it off, and put on something new. I do that through faith confessions. That's how I do it. So I cast down everything. The scripture says this. It's my, one of, two of my favourite scriptures I use all the time. Cast down anything that exalts itself above God, any argument, any imagination. Cast it down. So I cast it down. I take it out. When I catch those imaginations that come into my mind, I have to stop it and get rid of it. And Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. Fight the fight of faith with the prophetic words that go before you. So I speak out and I speak it out with my voice. Speak it out so I can hear it because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word there of hearing by the word of God is actually the Rema word, not the Logos word. So the prophetic words, I take those words and I put, speak it over myself. 
I also have a faith confessions that I've got a whole pile of things written down. If you go to Dr. Google and search Highlands faith confessions, you'll find them. If you haven't got some, get some. Because it's about changing us, understanding who we are. It's about understanding we are new. We have to do something about it. We can't just drift through life. We've actually got to take this thing called Christianity seriously and do something with it. And part of the doing something with it is allowing God to change us, but that requires our work as well. I used to teach mums, single mums. We had a whole pile of them in our church at one stage and down in Sydney, I was pastoring a church there and we, we tapped into a stream somehow of, of single mums and we had such a passion for them because they were so lonely and broken and hurt and, and we seemed to have, have just tapped a stream of these beautiful women that come in and, and I was teaching about this particular thing, about being new and about how to actually do this and I said, every time you change your nappy because they were busy changing nappies. We've just had Boston this weekend, busy changing nappies. And I said, use that as a trigger for your faith confession of who you are. Use that as a trigger to tell yourself you're beautiful. Because one of the things they were struggling with was they had lost all their self-esteem and they just didn't think, see themselves as beautiful. And I was teaching our church in, in Sydney because we had a lot of lights and you're always running into a red light. Every time you get a red light, Use it as a faith confession moment. And I found that I got a lot more green lights than red lights then. Because <laughs> the devil does not want you to change. But find that point that becomes a trigger point for you. Whatever it is. Because it's about renewing your mind. It's about actually taking off something and putting on something. Allowing the transformation of God to come into your life. Let's come back to who we are. You know, you actually have been chosen by God. Isn't that exciting? And there's my one, another one of my favourite. I've got a few favourite scriptures, as you can tell. Another one of my favourite scriptures that we've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that amazing? Let me think about that for a minute. You're not a mistake. You haven't just happened. But you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I just find that an amazing thought that my God would fearfully and wonderfully make me, pick me. He picked you. He's put your gifts, your passions in you, your purposes in you, that you've been created for a time such as this. Isn't that incredible? When you think about it, in all of creation, in all of the people over all of the time, Billions and billions of people, he put you in the earth, Liz, to make a difference. He grabbed you and made a difference. Maddie grabbed you, made a difference, fearfully and wonderfully made you. Kevin grabbed you, fearfully and wonderfully made you for this time in this place. Make a difference in the world. I love that. 1 Peter chapter. 2 verse 9 says this, For you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. You're God's. He chose you. And he chose you for a purpose. Don't you love the second part of that scripture? As a result, 
You can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. You know, we're a discipleship church. That's what we are. We do church a little differently than a lot of churches. We do believe that people should walk alongside people and point people towards Jesus, not just go to church. And We believe people should come into community and, and that's why we have small groups the way we do. And then we do this on Sunday to worship collectively together, to, to encounter the corporate presence of God. When I grew up in church, we did go to church on Sunday, go to small group on Wednesday and then had to evangelise. <laughs> that was Christian Outreach Centre. Yeah, what I've found is that this scripture, 1 Peter, actually explains discipleship really well. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Just be a good friend. Isn't it so easy to be a Christian? Somehow we've made it so hard, yet it's meant to be so easy. And if, you know, if the reality is if you go and you grab your Apple iPhone or you, if you've got an Android that sometimes works, <laughs> you actually find a good app and you, you know what you do? You tell people about it, don't you? You say, look at this app, it's awesome. Uh, or you, you find something and you get this really good recipe and, and you, know, you cook your brisket like I do and I find this recipe that works really well. I actually tell people about it because I want to be a good friend. And it's the same with Jesus. I've encountered Jesus. My life has changed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of his name. It's not just to be out there preaching on a street corner. It's to be walking alongside my friends and whoever brings God, beside, God brings beside me to be a good friend. And out of that, people go, what is it about you? I don't have to preach to them because my life needs to be that witness to show the goodness of God. And then all of a sudden they go, what is it about you? And I tell them. I remember a guy in Perth years ago and I was on a, uh, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I'll tell it you again. I was over in Perth and I had to do a, a, a called up to actually put a tender in, a large tender that they had conveniently forgotten to do to the last minute. So I had to fly across as the, uh, I was the general manager of the major systems group at that stage in Chubb and Warmbled. And I flew across to Perth and put the tender together. But to put the tender together meant, meant that I had to do an all-nighter. So I actually got there at Perth in the morning and started work and put it all together to put in. And, and people would come and talk to me and the service manager would come and all these different people would come. And the service manager come back in the evening about eight o'clock and said, how you going? Yeah, and we were talking and got to talk and he started to ask me about Christianity for some reason. I don't know what had, how it had come up, but we started talking. I used to carry two resources with me at those times. I'd carried the Lord's Prayer, how to pray the Lord's Prayer, and I'd carry 10 reasons why to speak in tongues because it was such a controversy in those days. <laughs> and uh, so I was talking to him about them. I gave him those bits of paper and he disappeared. And um, about 18 months later, he rang me up and I was in... Sydney at the time, working in the head office in Sydney, and he was in Perth, and he rang me up and said, Ken, I just want to let you know, I've been watching you. He was in Perth. He said, I just want to let you know I gave my life to Christ last Sunday. Oh. It's not about preaching to people, it's about being a good friend and showing the goodness of God. So important, so important. Because you've been chosen by God to do that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 to 8. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. Even before he made the world, 
He chose you. He loves you. He loves you. Before the beginning of time, he knew you. In Christ, be holy without fault in his eyes. You know, one of the things I've found about identity with people is this particular part of this scripture. Is all they see is their faults. I'm not good enough. Look what I did this week. I can't get over this sin. It just keeps coming back. It's something that keeps holding me back. Yet scripture says he sees you without fault because of Christ. Does that mean he loves sin? No, he doesn't love sin. What is sin anyway? Anything that displeases God. Sometimes I think sin's such... We were talking about it at dinner the other night. Sin's such a, an unused term today. People don't understand really what it means. But you know, all your faults, all your challenges, they don't hold you back from God. He loves you because Christ died on the cross and rose again. You can have. God decided in advance to adopt us. It wasn't a choice that he made at that time and today we'll give you an opportunity to keep, make a decision for Jesus and we always do that at Highlands and you'll have that opportunity. But God decided in advance to adopt you. It's not a surprise you're here. It's not a surprise you go, oh, well, I just feel I need to give my life to Christ. By bringing himself through Christ Jesus, this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. You pleasure God. Isn't that incredible? You give God great pleasure. I love that. I love that we actually are loved by God so much. See, learning your your true identity does two things. It gives you the courage to let go of the past and it gives you the courage to walk into your future. Because I've found it's easy to get stuck in my past. Have you? I don't know, my past will speak to me. If the devil wants to bring something up, it's always my past. It's never my future. He always wants to bring up my past. Ken, look what you did. (laughs) Yet, this understanding who I am and whose I am gives me the ability and the power to walk into my future. If you go back to to Exodus and and Moses and the story of Moses, and you can, you can read all about Moses in Exodus and he was incredibly challenged. He was a man who was basically was supposed to be killed and he got saved by Pharaoh's, um, one of Pharaoh's wives and he grew up in the household of Pharaoh. So he grew up as a, a, an Egyptian prince and then he got scared because he killed a guy and took off into the wilderness for 40 years and then God called him. And when you think about that, that he was called back into his future by God to lead the Israelites out. Now, you imagine all the challenges that he faced. He was a murderer. He was challenged. He had every excuse. He said to God when God called him, this is God from heaven standing in front of a burning bush. And God goes, I want you to speak. He goes, but I stutter. And God goes, I created your son, but I can't speak, Moses says. He says, well, I'll give you Aaron then. (laughs) See, all of a sudden, he was so held in his past. 
but he had the courage to walk into his future. See, knowing your true identity gives you that courage. But the question I have for you today, one of the questions is, what in your past is holding you back? See, coming out of Egypt, Egypt always represents slavery and bondage. That's what it represents. If you study what that word Egypt means, it means that slavery and bondage. But what slavery and bondage have you been held to in your life? You're not walking your identity in Christ. See, knowing your, your true identity gives you the courage to walk into a new destiny. Paul says to the believers in Corinth, he puts it this way, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all new things have become new. See, when you have faith, God forgives you for everything you've done wrong, clears your conscience, gives you a whole new identity in Christ, being born again, and I think that's such an interesting term. It's a fresh start, a clean slate, a new destiny. But somehow, sometimes, we want to hold on to the past. How do we do, how do we get past this? Scripture tells us to do this. It says, set your your sight on heaven rather than the opinions of the world. We live in such an opinionated world. You open your social media feed, you have every opinion under the sun. You open the newspaper, you have all the opinions. You go out to some people and they'll have opinions. I know when I gave my life to Christ, we had lots, people had lots of opinions. When we went to Bible college, Moira and I went to Bible college, Moira's mum and dad, they said, are, are you going to a cult? Do they make you go there? <laughs> opinions. Incredible. But opinions can hold you back. But you need to set your sights on heaven. Hebrews 12.2 says, Keep your eyes on Jesus whose birth began and finished this race we're in. Colossians 3.1 and 2 puts it this way, Set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on this earth. Focused on heaven. The call of God over your life. Where God's calling you to. You know, I think about when I was called to ministry and, and I blame my mum because actually I was supposed to be aborted as a child. That's what the opinion of the doctor and the opinion of all her friends. They, she, mum and dad already had four kids. Mum was very sick with kidney stones and kidney trouble and, and was suffering postnatal depression. Not that they understood postnatal depression in 1961, but that's what she was living with. So her friends all said, well, you've got four just abort him. The doctor said, look, it's really risky. And she said, no, I'm going to dedicate him to ministry. That's why I blame mum. <laughs> and she only told me that when we were in Bible college. <laughs> but it's really interesting, isn't it, how the opinions can stop you. When we went to Bible college, I was the Australian manager, CEO of a company. And... Uh, in my, in my business life, I only really had one goal left that I wanted to achieve. We were quite successful in Australia. We were very successful in the small market of Australia. So I actually wanted to go and play in a big market and I wanted to go to America to play. And uh, that was my, my goal, was my dream. And, 
And God got hold of me and, and one night, it was at a, a night at church and God really nailed Moira and I and, and spoke to us very clearly about ministry. He actually said, I need you to make a decision today, tonight. That's what he said to us. He said, I need you to make a decision to either go to ministry or go, keep going in business. He said, I'll bless you either way, but it's time. It was just that time of that call. And the power, presence of God was there and Moira and I both committed to go to ministry and said, yes, God, we'll go. And we said, yes. So it was that point of moment where we just knew that we were called to go. The very next week, I had a phone call from the owner of the business. And he said to me, Ken, I want you to come and become international marketing manager. And he said, and what I want you to do is after 12 months, I actually want you to go to America and set up the business there. devil always tries to steal destiny. He always does. And I'm so glad Moira and I chose ministry. So we've seen thousands of people come to know Jesus, literally. Tens of thousands now, which is so exciting. We have been blessed our whole life. We still are blessed. We've travelled the world again and again and again. and Just amazing what God has done. But the devil tries to steal destiny all the time set your sights on heaven you see when you know your identity when you know your call you can walk away from your past you can walk away from the temptations you can walk away from the challenges you can walk away from the curses and hurts and walk into your future Romans 4.17 says, says this God calls those things that are not as though they were and maybe you can't see where God's taking you. Or maybe you've got a glimmer and you're struggling with it. You start to speak that out, start to declare it, because God's calling you into your future, into your destiny, into your home. What God says about us is found in his word, found in the scriptures. And it's so important that we understand it. You know, if you open your Bible app and... You'll see it down there. If you open the Bible app, you're going to see a whole pile of scriptures. We've used a lot of scripture today. And you can click on that and save it in that corner of there. You can actually save this. But there's, I'd love you to consider these scriptures this week. And here's what he says about you. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're, you're a new creature. You've been reformed. You are righteous. No matter what you're struggling with, if you're, if you're struggling in sin this week, you're struggling with an addiction, you're struggling with a, t a temptation, you can declare to that, no, I am righteous. Allow you to come through. If you're sick, you've been healed. The declaration of healing is so important. Declare healing over your life. If you're poor or you're struggling with finances, the promise in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is that you've been made rich. You know, the lie of the devil is that Christians should be poor. It's a lie. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. You can't find it. It says if you're wealthy in this world, be generous. That's what Scripture says in Timothy. If you're wealthy, and we're all wealthy, we live in a wealthy nation, be generous. That's all he says to be. He gives us all these things. We're accepted. You know, one of the challenges of the world today is rejection. It really is. 
People suffer from rejection. The fear of rejection is a horrible thing, you know. Just minister for this for a moment. You know what fear of rejection is? It's like this. You pull people close to you because you desperately want to be accepted. And when you're accepted and you're loved, you get scared they're going to leave you and they're going to reject you, so you push them away. You hold them out. And then they want to love on you and, and you go, oh, no, I'm, fear you. I'm scared you're going to reject me again. So you keep them away. And all that does is become a self-fulfilling prophecy because eventually they go, oh, well, they're not interested and they move on. But you have to understand you're accepted. You're loved. You're loved in this place and you're loved by God. You're free from sin. You're free from anything you've ever done wrong. Isn't that amazing? Because sometimes our sin holds us bound. The things we've done wrong, the shame, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we hide from God. But we're free free from sin. So important. You know, we've accepted, when you think about that for a moment, you're accepted. God accepts you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, you are accepted. He doesn't approve of everything we do. You know that? But I look at my kids and I've got three grown-up kids and I look at what they do and I don't approve of everything they do. I don't. But I accept them. They can actually, they've got a key to our house. They can walk into our house anytime, open the fridge, take whatever they want. Because I accept them. I love them. But I'm not approved of everything they do. And a heavenly dad's like that. No matter where you are today, no matter what you've done, you're accepted. Accepted so much that he died on the cross for you. Rose again that you can have life. You know this, as you give your life to Christ and I want to give you that opportunity this morning, he turns nobodies into somebodies. He changes us. He really does. The patterns of our life that we've had, that we struggle with, can be erased. As we encounter Him, He renews our mind, Romans 12.1. And curses that can be reversed and broken. Curses that have come down the family line where you've, maybe your family struggled in divorce, divorce after divorce after divorce, can be broken and stop with you. Maybe it's been alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever's come down your family line today, it can stop. Because you'll be a new creation in Christ. Maybe you've been in Christ for a long time and you're struggling, we're still struggling with things. Well, welcome to the club. Most of us are like the rest of us. But we can use these things to put off the old and put on the new. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.